Hey everybody, uh, welcome. This is Questions and Conversations. This is going to be a monthly podcast we put out here at Eaglemont Church. If you're visiting with us, uh, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. Hi, I'm Brennan, also one of the pastors here. <laughs> three for three, I'm Jaden, and I'm the pastor. Uh, so every month this might look a little different. We're going to take some questions that you have uh, to talk about. Those questions might be about the Bible, might be about Christianity, might be just about world news, or might just be ridiculous questions that you want to hear our thoughts on. Um, with that, we're going to open things up today for some conversation. I'm going to start with a hard-hitting question here to get us going. So we are hitting the summer months. There's a lot of you, you got your trailers ready, maybe your tents ready, you're getting ready for camping season. So I'm going to throw this out, Jaden, Brennan, I want to hear what is your favorite camping or vacation story that you could share with everyone? A favorite camping experience story that you would share? Um, do you have one ready to go? I do. Okay, you take it and I'll, I'll think. <laughs> So where we always go camping is at Turtle Lake in Saskatchewan, which is like a super small area, but there's this, like the town that's right outside of it is Turtleford and they have 525 people. So it's Ooh. a booming metropolis. Yes. And I distinctly remember we were up there for, I think it was August long weekend and they do their big, you know, like Beaumont does town and country days. Yeah. They do their version of that okay. with 500 people. Nice. So, so the parade is like four cars long. Because that's all they have. Because if everybody... Well, I was wondering if it was just going to be everybody in the town is in the parade. Well, I think they have to just limit it. So, like, only four cars because otherwise there's not enough people to watch. Right. So, you know, you sit, you have your 30-second parade. And then I remember their whole... There's only, like, two things, which was the parade. And then the one attraction fun thing was they had this monster truck that they had, like, bench seating in the back of it. And they would just drive you around the school soccer field. <laughs> That was it. That was the whole ride. And I remember thinking... That was the parade was... route? Was the soccer field? No, no, that was the truck route for your free ride. <laughs> the parade route was like just one street. Like, they came around the corner, went down that street, and that was the end. Man, they go all out, hey? Oh, yeah, that was it. So, I distinctly remember that. I remember the guy took off his steering wheel and handed it to me when he was backing up. And I still, to this day, don't understand how it worked. But it was cool. Wow. So, was it supposed to be like... Was the idea it was a hayride being in the back of the truck or why? I think it was like somebody there just owned it and they had nothing else to offer. So they thought like rather than a hayride, you can just take a 20 second drive around a field. <laughs> Anybody is listening from Turtleford, we'd like to have a picture of this truck. Maybe you've had an experience in the back of this pickup truck. That'd be great. Somebody from Turtleford is watching. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Nice. See you soon. Brent, how about you? Any good camping, or if not camping, good vacation stories? Um, uh, I don't know. Like, I've, I'm trying to think of one that'd be funny, but I don't know. One, not, I don't really, can't really have a funny one that comes to mind, but, um, one standout still is from, like, when I was 12, my family went to Hawaii, and me and my dad went in Shark Cage, and that was still, like, one of the, like, coolest things Ever. Nice. I was so scared, of course. But when it was yeah. done, I was like, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I didn't die. <laughs> Sharks are terrifying. Yeah. But I also, like, am fascinated by them, so. Uh, but it was sweet. That would be such a cool experience. Yeah. Okay, in, in all honesty, like, when you went in there, even though you knew the cage was there, like, 
Was there like fear the first time a shark came close? Yeah, because you're just like holding onto a bar and then your like feet are on a bar and then the rest of bars are vertical. Um, and then like when the wave kind of hits you, you still rock a little bit. So I remember my like foot slipping out of the cage. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. <laughs> and it's, they're not like the biggest sharks, but they're like 10 to 12 feet and there's like 20 of them. So like yeah. <laughs> still pretty decent. Yeah. Sharks are one of those things that like, I don't have a lot of fears, but sharks do freak me out. Yeah. Like I'm hundred percent. Yeah. All the time scared of sharks. <laughs> like deep end of the pool is one of the biggest fears, like, you know? Yeah. Like as a kid, I would always like, I'd still go in lakes and stuff, but I just wouldn't stop thinking about <laughs> sharks can attack me. <laughs> the first time I flew to Europe, well, the only time I flew to Europe, we were like literally in the middle of the Atlantic ocean. It was like two in the morning. And me and my buddy, we were on this flight together with, started having this long debate conversation mm -hmm. about what would you rather have happen? And it was me, like, very ferociously arguing, I would really rather, like, fly into the side of a cliff because I'm done. Oh, yeah. Versus, like, mm -hmm. crashing and having a chance of surviving. No, not worth it. But they're sharks. And we had been, like, debating for, like, 20 minutes. And <laughs> all of a sudden we realized the lady in the row next to us was, like, freaked right out. <laughs> We probably were a little out of bounds on that conversation <laughs> at that period of time. But yeah, that's fair. Um, I guess I should share, I've got like, I have tons of like weird, funny or embarrassing stories. Um, but the one that comes to mind, it's not an embarrassing one for me, although there's lots that I'm sure I could think of. But it was, I think I told Jaden the story once before, but I was... Uh, working as a camp counselor at a Bible camp, Vancouver Island. It was a junior teen or preteen camp. And like when you're dealing with like grade five, grade six students, like especially boys, there's a lot of them that haven't reached that point of recognizing like the need for daily hygiene. Oh, like yeah. regularly <laughs> at the end of the week, like you'd open up a kid's like bag and you'd see their clothes exactly how their mom had folded it at the beginning of the week, right? <laughs> But the, this one cabin, it was my buddy's cabin. They, by time week four came, like the smell in the cabin had gotten so bad. And we had to start doing this game in the camp where like it was the soap game where all the kids had to like rub soap on and then we jumped in the river. <laughs> Just trying to get like regular bathing. And, but they, this cabin smelled so bad when chapel service was going on, they actually sent a couple of the camp counselors in to try and figure out what the smell was. And there was a kid who had not felt comfortable using the bathroom. Oh, no. And so had been using his sleeping bag at night and then using the end of his sleeping bag to go to the bathroom. So my poor buddy had to take this. He, not wanting to embarrass the kid, they snuck out and they had to go and hose the, uh, the sleeping bag, unzip it, hang it on the clothesline and unzip it down. And I have never seen a human being gag as much as I've seen him gag. Like, we were there for some emotional support. I would have thrown up, for sure. That's disgusting. Yeah. Kid will not be named, because I don't even remember his name. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I probably have mentally blocked it, but that's that's a, a ferocious camping story oh. that I can remember. It was a good one. <laughs> that's some strong will from that kid, though, to sleep in that sleeping bag night after so night. so gross. Yeah. Well, but it also tells you something about the fierce smell that happens when you have a group of junior teen boys and the fact where it's like, it smells, but yet it's kind of expected. <laughs> well, like it took four or five days before they're like, 
This smells a little more than it usually does. Oh. Like, uh, yep, that's a good one. So with that, thanks for that question. We'll head into, uh, into maybe some more serious questions that we've had put out for us. Uh, so again, we're not really scripted on these. It's just some discussion. And hopefully, we hope that some of these questions you can also uh, continue on with your family, with your friends, as you're listening along. But here's uh, the next question for you guys. What does the church, the church meaning Egomont or the church just in general, what does the church have to offer our world right now? With all the stuff, like there's a lot that's happening in our world right now. Uh, for you guys, as you are thinking about your friends, but also your role as a pastor, like what does the church have to offer our world right now? I can go first, feel like, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, well, now's a unique time for everyone, so I think it's like churches everywhere are trying to figure out, like, what should we be doing? Um, and right now, I think the world really needs just, like, hope. Mm. Like, things just seem, for some people, that all they see is, like, everything wrong with the world. They see, like, all these things just, like, piling on one after another, and, like, things aren't going to get better. Um, but, you know, what the church has to offer is the, is the message of Jesus, right? So that's like at the core, what we should be offering. And I think if, if people really heard, you know, what, what that message is, is like, it's hope for the future. It's like, mm -hmm. this world isn't the be all end all, like our, our, our lives here are important and they have a purpose for some people. They just feel like, what, what, what am I doing here? It's like, you're created for a reason, right? Or, or it's just like, um, looking, some people, you know, they find their hope in, in looking forward to, to heaven or to, um, you know, to, to the end. And I think that can be a really powerful thing for people. I think too with that, like in this season, I think community has proven itself to be so much more important mm -hmm. than people thought originally, mm -hmm. like through social distancing and isolation and things like that. I think our world has really realized how important good connection is. And I think the church has always tried to provide community and there's lots of places you can find that, but having a community of people that are willing to pray with you and walk through the hardships of life has become mm -hmm. more important than ever. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about like, uh, as you talk about hope and you talk about community, what about the, for the, the person that, you know, maybe someone in our church who's like, okay, I believe in Jesus, but I also like, I struggle with anxiety right now. Like I'm struggling like this. And so how am I not the church? Am I not doing what I'm supposed to do? Like, how does the person who's, who's struggling themselves to get through this, what do they have to offer the world? Like, how does that work for them? I think the, best thing that that if you're struggling is to share it with people because there's always people in your situation or that have felt that or that are like yeah that are going through that you can share that together or just like I don't know as as you work through that that can be an amazing testimony to like so many people outside the church that feel that anxiety that feel that yeah that pressure of the world and if you're able to talk about that and say like yeah that's a dark time and I'm working through that but like I still have 
this hope that I can always say like, I know God is with me and he, and he loves me. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Some initial thoughts. What do you guys think? I like, liken it to like, I remember growing up in church and we'd have testimonies, which if you're not in, if church is not part of your history, you might be wondering what that word means. It just means people would share like their story, essentially like their, their own personal story. Um, remember thinking like testimonies always seem to be like, they always had to have the perfect ribbon tied on the top. Like, right. ah, I was struggling with drugs and I lived on the street, but now everything's <laughs> great. And it kind of made you feel like, well, in order to really live a life for Jesus, it means everything needs to be great. Um, but for me, the, the more I, I read the Bible, the more time I spend with God, it's, it's the reality that God not only allows, but he invites all of my story into his church. And I, I think that's where sometimes you can almost feel unauthentic or like, am I, am I being hypocritical where I'm saying I offer hope, but yet I still struggle? But that's the whole point. Yeah. Is that like hope isn't just when things are great. Hope is in the struggle. Right. And like Jesus didn't die for the best parts of you. Yeah. He died for the worst parts of us. Like our, in, for our sinful nature. That's why he died for us. Yeah. So it's, it's learning to accept that as, yeah, I guess when you're working through dark things, we shouldn't try to like bury it away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in a world that like seems to be like, I don't know that, I don't know about you guys, but for me, like the dialogue that I hear and that I see a lot lately is really just people talking over each other. Like whether it's with COVID or it's, with the Black Lives Matter movement or any type of subject that's really, like, really high in priority in our culture right now, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are talking with each other. They're talking over each other. Yeah. And I think as the church, when we really take that position as Christ did as a servant, it allows, if anything, we should be the people that are first to listen. And, and we, sh we shouldn't be the ones who are insecure in making sure our voices are heard. But are those that are actually just present, as you were saying, like in that community, are able just to be with people. I think there's something powerful and something really radically counter-cultural in that. To not do it by words or even by speaking a methodology, but actually practically living that way. I think that's something that speaks to our world. Even with that, like there for the people that are struggling, you have such a great story to share. But I know that there are some people who have gone through the season and been like, I felt fine this whole time. And there's almost like a sense yeah. of guilt for feeling cool. fine through this. Yeah. But regardless, like if you're one of those people that feels like, well, this season has been so much easier than I thought. That just means that you are the listening ear. You are the person that can offer that. Like there's no point of not being useful in the community. You don't have to have you know, some horrible story of what you've gone through to right. be a good support system. Yeah. I remember there's a, Tim Hawkins is a Christian comedian. And I remember he always used to talk about like how Christian kids would do their testimony <laughs> and they'd always be mad that they'd be like, wish I did drugs. Like, <laughs> you know, you, like, you feel like you have nothing. And I remember being a kid yeah. and being like, well, what's my testimony? Like I grew up in the church and you know, I said a bad word one time and my mom got mad. Like I didn't have like, <laughs> 
the crazy story, but yeah. that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean that you have anything less to offer community. If you're one of those people that this season has been far easier than you've seen it for others, that just means that this is your moment to be that support yeah. and to listen and to help people walk through who are in a totally different place. And there's no limit to what our church needs. We need both. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, I don't think people ever get persuaded really by our words. I think, you know, as, as First John said, it's, it's by our love. It's by the way that we love each other as a church, and it's the way that we reach out in love to our community. Like, that's the real powerful testimony of God working in us. Yeah. Not our lives being squeaky clean and having everything together, but it's genuinely how we love. And that's one of the things that God gives us is we don't have to worry. We don't have to have insecurity in the stuff that we've, we've messed up or the stuff we still struggle with, whether that's anxiety or just things that, we still, that still trip us up. But we're able to actually have confidence in Christ through that. Cool. Good answers. Good answers. Do you guys pass? Family feud. Family feud. Good answer. Good, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> that's the worst. Family feud when you say good answer, though, it's like that awkward, like, Oh, well, what was he thinking? Good answer, good answer. You see it on their face, but not in their words. Yeah. Something totally unrelated, and everybody's like, yeah, I can, I can see it. That will be on a future Questions and Conversations podcast. Your favorite Family Feud moments and hosts, because there's like 40 hosts for Family Feud. All right, uh, this next question was uh, another question that we had come in, and again, um, would love to have your questions to be able to talk on our next podcast. But uh, this question came in from our Eaglemont family, and it was this. Do you have to read the Bible to be a Christian? Uh, and the second part of that question is, is there any value in actually reading the Bible? So maybe start with that first part of the question. Do you have to read the Bible to be a Christian? Pastors? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um... Um, and it's like, in its simplest form, um, like, no, because uh, the Bible tells us that, like, if you just confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, then, like, then you're saved. Or, like, all you have to do is accept Jesus into your life to be a Christ follower, right? So it's not just our, uh, it's not our works that save us. Although the Bible of James says it's like works and faith go together. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, if someone accepts Jesus on their deathbed and, you know, they never read the Bible, they never did anything. Uh, I think if that was a genuine uh, acceptance of Jesus, uh, then like, then they'll be in heaven, right? Like that's, I think that's correct. <laughs> um, but the thing is that Jesus tells us to follow him. So that's our daily, um, that's our daily goal, or it should be our daily goal, to follow him. So yeah. you're looking at his life, and, you know, we shouldn't read the Bible as all these do and don'ts, but to follow Jesus, if that's our main thing, then what do you have to do? You have to read about his life in the Gospels. You have to know about the Old Testament, like like he did, and that's how you know the whole story of the Bible, and you know more about God, and mm -hmm. and so yeah, it becomes uh, if you're following Jesus, then it becomes should become a part of of your walk in doing that. Yeah, 
Yeah. So it's it's not like a religious thing. It's like if you don't read ten chapters of the Bible every day, you're not a Christian. But it's <laughs> it's a it's a relationship thing of of yeah. trying to be like Jesus and to follow Him. Yeah. yeah. And with that relationship, it's it's like any relationship we have. If there was a relationship where you put no effort in getting to know the person, that's not really much of a relationship. If all mm -hmm. you talk about is here's my list of things I want you to do for me. Yeah. And that's the whole relationship. I don't think you would really count that as a personal connected relationship. Yeah. And so part of that is reading the Bible helps you know the person of Jesus. It helps you know him better and live more like him, like Brennan said. So mm -hmm. do you have to read about to be a Christian? No. But to grow as a Christian and to actually know the personhood of who Jesus is, you do need to read the Bible because that's his words written yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think of it kind of like if you're talking about forcing something with your hand or using a magnet to attract it. And when we talk about Jesus, Jesus is more like a magnet than he is a force pushing you into stuff, right? Like that was, that's, you know, we see that explanation constantly in the New Testament of like the law, while it was, you know, helpful, gave us a, a shadow of what was to be, mm -hmm. yet it wasn't complete because the law was still about us doing, whereas Jesus through the cross now has allowed us to have freedom to pursue him rather than trying to avoid or trying to simply, you know, tick boxes of, of a checklist of things that we've done in our day to somehow earn yeah. or keep with God. But so the, you know, you think of like, uh, I know you guys I'm sure have heard different stories and, and testimonies, but I've heard of, uh, you know, people who are in the Middle East where Bibles are illegal. They have no access to a Bible, right. but people who have visions of Jesus and have become Christ followers, even though they've never met another Christian before that point, they've never read a Bible. So absolutely, you can become a follower of Jesus without having a physical Bible with you. But yet, you know, as God said, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. That's what the Bible teaches, right? The yeah. kindness, the, the grace of God that leads us to repentance. Not, not the command, not the, you know, the physical force of his hand, but it's actually his kindness that leads us, it attracts us. And the Bible is not something that should be, it's not something that's forced on us. It's rather, it's something that we should be attracted to. When we come to know the heart of God, we, we want to know more of that. We want to be closer with him. Mm -hmm. And reading the Bible, that's what it's supposed to be about. I think, I know when we do like Christian foundations and some of our, our um, first step type of um, courses we do with, with people in our church, I often talk about, like, when you read your Bible, it's, we tend to default of it being like a homework assignment. Like I always yeah. did that in my life. I struggled for so long with reading the Bible because to me it was about like, I have to get this chapter of this many chapters mm -hmm. done and each day. And like, it's, it was just a checklist mark instead of what it really should be is I'm going to spend this much time with a person I, I love. Yeah. You know, this is time that I dedicate with God and really it's, it's a way of just having God speak into me and speak into my life. So it, it shouldn't be a, an assignment. It shouldn't be a have to. It sh it's really it's something we're drawn to, and it's a, it's a want of just spending time with it. Yeah. How do you think you have, like, fostered moving from the, the idea of, like, okay, I need to read the Bible to be a good Christian as, like, a homework assignment? I, I totally get that, like, years and years of that. But how do you think you move from there to really enjoying or, like, 
finding, yeah, finding joy in spending time with God and like, is there some things that like you can think of that have helped you move towards that? Well, first of all, I'm supposed to be the one asking the questions, so it's like bad protocol. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll throw out some of my thoughts. Uh, again, I think the if I was to say one thing that was the biggest switch for me was the because I'm I'm a very analytical person, and so I like I like routine, I like structure, I like here's the list to be done. Yeah, that's that's my type of personality, and so for me, really switching that off is is when I made the, the, the mental heart switch of going, this is not about getting so much done as it was investing time in a relationship. So it was this time is dedicated to spend time, which means like if I get one verse read, but like, I'm just God speaking to me in that. And I'm just right. asking like, God, I need you to speak this to me. Like that was the priority yeah. more than like the consumption of how much I got or how many notes I could take or how many takeaways I could have that I could use in a sermon or a conversation, but it's, it's, it was the investment of just the everyday time. Right. Um, just like with any other good relationship you have, like you want to invest time and moments with that. I don't know. That, that, so that would be the, the biggest thing for me was making that switch. Cool. Jaden, you got anything else to? No, same thing of like not looking at it as, I have to do this as being a Christian, but I actually want to do this because I want to know more. Mm -hmm. And like, it, I actually took switching it in my mind from like, I mean, as a kid you would do, my mom would like force, like not force us, but she'd be like, what'd you read today? And you'd have to present that. And then in Bible college, like, things like that, that you, you had to do it and switching from that to, I want to do this because it adds value. Yeah. And I think it's just switching your mindset from, yeah, like that homework assignment to this is something that actually adds value to my life. And I've seen that so many more ways now, right? Like there are moments where um, a story comes into mind or a verse or something that I've read that I'm like, oh, that totally is applicable here. And it brings peace and it brings comfort in moments or challenge in moments. And those are the times that I realize, wow, that's not just a homework assignment. These are things that apply to my everyday life that I need. Yeah. Like I actually need that far more than it's something I have to get done. Yeah. And I think that was that was a big switch. Yeah. It was finding that need rather than having to do it. Yeah. I air quoted if you're <laughs> podcast <laughs> gets me. Listening. Yeah, if you're listening, I air quoted us hand talkers. This is like it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> but I even think that through this, we've kind of answered the next question of is there value in actually reading the word? I think it's kind of lended itself to that, but to just really hammer on that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you well, is there? Yes. <laughs> that's it, that's the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, there, like, I think there's there's value because, again, like, Jesus isn't just this, like, nice person that lived 2,000 years ago. Like, he was the, he was the greatest teacher. He was the kindest person. He was the greatest person. He's someone that I want to be like. Mm -hmm. So to be like him... I need to follow him. So I need to learn from how he lived his day to day. I need to like, he, he knew the old Testament probably greater than anyone ever did. So I need to learn that too, even though there's parts where I'm like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. Um, but then again, like then sometimes you read it and you're like, I have no clue. But then as you maybe come back next year, if you're reading the Bible every year or whatever, come back next time and you're like, Oh, maybe I understand this a little bit more because everything's sort of connected and, and building on each other. And, 
And um, yeah, so I think the most important thing for me is I'm just trying to focus on like, how can I follow Jesus in this way? Like actually be his, his disciple yeah. and not just like a person who calls himself a Christian, right? Yeah. yeah. I think one of the, probably in my years as a pastor, the question I probably heard from people asking me, whether it's in a one-on-one setting or group settings, more than any other is, how do I hear the voice of God? And maybe that's a good question to do on another podcast. Um, would be a good question about around there. But I think when we talk about God's word, we in theory know, oh, it's, you know, we even call it God's word, the Bible. Um, But I think a lot of times when we actually take it in, we more read it as, you know, God's instruction manual than we do as God's actual living word. Right. Um, And, you know, the, there's the, the word illumination, which is the work of when the Holy Spirit actually takes the words of the Bible but makes them alive in our spirit. And I think um, that's, that's really the goal of a Christ follower. Is it's, it's not about you know, scholarly coming to an understanding of the Bible. There's a lot of smart men and women who are way smarter than me yeah. and have way more contextual understanding of you know, the days of Jesus, of Old Testament Hebrew. They know, they, like, they've got knowledge, but yet they actually don't have any life necessarily in them. The Bible is... Is supposed to be life-giving. It's when that, it's when the Holy Spirit actually brings it to life into us. And, mm-hmm. and so, if we if we approach the the Bible as being God's living Word and asking Him to make it alive in us, not seeking just some big voice from the sky that opens and parts the clouds and yeah. sounds like James Earl Jones, but like also <laughs> not just looking at it as a as a document that we need to read and memorize, but going, God, can you make it alive in me? And I, I think when you do that, like, that's the benefit for a follower of Jesus, is that there is life that comes in us, and it's it just builds that magnetism we were talking about earlier, where we we naturally want to become more like Jesus, because we know him more. We haven't just learned about him, but we actually begin to know him because it comes alive in us. Um, that's what I think. That's good. Yeah, and that, that comes back to, again, just like spending time. If you're rushing through the Bible to just get it done so you can be on pace with everyone else or like yeah. feel like you've done something good, then you're not actually like taking it in. Yeah. So to spend the time of just like, maybe just like take a couple deep breaths and, and slow down and, and put any distractions away and, and asking the Holy Spirit like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, make this alive. Yeah. Teach me something or, or draw me closer to your heart and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's really just like slowing down and spending time. That's right. Yeah. And if that's a question that you've asked yourself and you're having a hard time starting and you keep trying to start in Genesis and by the time you hit Lamentations or You are lamenting your decision to. Yeah, <laughs> you're having like, it's yeah. okay to not start at the beginning, which is if you're, if this is a question you're asking is you're trying to read from the start all the way through and you're like, okay, like is this, like you read chapters of just genealogies and it's just names and you're like, okay, like what is this mm-hmm. doing? Those are totally important things that you should read, but you don't have to start at the beginning. Start in the Gospels. Start yeah. in the New Testament and find places where it starts, you know, the stories are really speaking to you and then you can work your way through the whole Bible as a whole. But if you're just starting out today, I would encourage you to start in the Gospels. Yeah, Book of John is always a great spot to start in in the New Testament. 
And I'll say this too, for some of you who have been super brave and you stepped out in the reading plan that we're doing as a church last year, like if you're fine, you're struggling with it. I don't, I'm not contradicting what we encouraged you to do and to yeah. jump into it. But, but I, I want to come alongside it and say like, don't, don't read out of guilt. Yeah. Like if it means finishing your required reading today or actually hearing from God, Hearing from God is way more valuable than filling mm-hmm. your quota. Mm-hmm. Always have that as your default. There's, you've, you know, we don't know the years that we have or the days that we have, but, you know, chances are you're going to have some more days to do some more reading. But the, that time that you have with God is irreplaceable. And, the, and those moments you can have spending with Him are where the value is at. So, let that always be your key motivator, because I think more people than not are wired like me, where like your default is, I just want to get the homework done, and it's it just you might get more read that day, but you're gonna stop reading eventually because it's not life giving, it's not actually what it's supposed to be. Yeah. All right. Well, this is gonna bring us to the end of. We'll we'll have to put the other questions on hold uh, for next time again. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, let us know. We're going to continue this at least once a month. Yeah. We might do it more than once a month if, if we hear from you that you like it or if you hear that you really don't like it, maybe we'll just... <laughs> maybe this is the last episode of Conversations. <laughs> we'll just be in your backyard. Yes, we'll just be in your backyard. Uh, but if you have questions that you would love to hear us talk about, we're going to have us rotating in and out, talking about it. Uh, we might even some months just have you know some people on a specific topic. If there's some areas that you'd like to talk about, maybe we can find some people who have got some great knowledge on that and and pull some guests that we can have in as well. So thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, look forward to chatting with you next time. Awesome. See ya.